Blog Talk Radio. Blog Talk Radio. Drive through HR. Anyway, so this is Mike. Uh, it is Friday, June 15th, and I have a good friend to the, of the show and a good friend of mine, Ms. Robin Schooling. Welcome back to Drive through HR. How are you today? I am good. It's fabulous to be back on Drive through HR. It's a former former guest host many times. Certainly a, yep. a highly uh, highly respected interview guest many times. Um, and today we're just gonna. I've been doing shows around Sherm. I was telling you in the pre-show I did 34 shows. I posted all the links on a blog yesterday, and yeah. my content content uh, support of Sherm pre-show is done. I'll be headed to uh, <laughs> Chicago on Sunday. Get in Sunday morning at Midway, and from then on out, I'm you know I'll be working, but it's it's going to be different kind of work. So, exactly. Uh, what are you up to these days, Robin? I know you. I know you have a very interesting job, and you're you're not going to be at Sherm this time around, regrettably. So we'll no. talk a little bit of not at Sherm at some point. But what's going on with Robin these days? Uh, Robin is um Robin is knee deep in um in HR every day. <laughs> I um Yeah, you know, I, I I think some, you know, probably a few folks know maybe that are listening and others don't. Um but I'm um I'm the head of HR for a uh casino in Baton Rouge and um you know, it's it's fascinating. It is a fascinating um, industry. This is the second casino I've worked at, so I knew what I was getting into. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we're twenty four seven. We're three sixty five. Um, it's you know certainly the gaming side of the business, of course, the food and beverage side, just the maintenance of the property side. So we have a host of you know a whole host of different types of employees, different types of roles that we hire for. Um, the only thing we don't have, um, you know, many casinos have a, <coughs> excuse me, have a hotel. Um, we do not have a hotel, so I don't have the hotel side of things. Um, but, um, you know, it's HR soup to nuts every day. Are you, uh, is, it, it, is it a riverboat or is it a land-based yes. casino? I, I guess I was, yeah, it's a land, land-based? It, it, we, are, we are a riverboat, so, so we have a uh, land okay. Yeah, we you know we call it the boat and land side. Um, so okay. our property, um, you know, we have a land uh, land side facility where we have a nightclub space. We have a you know a couple of bars. We have um, a couple of restaurants um, and then offices and that sort of thing on the land side. And then the actual gaming floors um are on the on the riverboat and so we have a okay. you know walkway an enclosed walkway obviously that um takes people it's a very short walk from from land onto right onto the onto the gaming floors is it's like permanently moored right it never sails yes yeah it's um you know back in the day um and this property has been here uh, almost uh, almost it'll be 25 years next year um wow. so riverboat uh Gaming, gaming was approved in the early '90s in Louisiana. So, um, this property was one of the first um, in the state to open. Opened in '94, and um, back in the day, until the late '90s, uh, the boats had to sail. Um, yeah, yeah. Every every couple hours, they had to go out on the on the water. Um, but that requirement to sail 
ended ended quite a while ago. Although we still have, because it's an operational, you know, riverboat. We have a paddle wheel and all that sort of thing. So the boat is, you know, uh, we still have captains. You know, we have a, the, the captain is in charge of the vessel, and we have assistant captains and, you know, basically kind of marine crew people um, on the boat. So, so it's the equi- like you're the boat captain of a ship that never sails. Exactly. Some, some, <laughs> somehow metaphorical. That ship has sailed. Yeah, it must be one of the easier jobs. I suppose there's probably stuff they have to do for just, I mean, even if a boat's in, not sailing, it's in the water, it still has to be maintained yeah. and cleaned. And, exactly. And, and yeah. probably if it, and, st- and rated according to some sort of, Seaworthy yep. code that I don't exactly. think about. So, yep. yeah, my idea of a good time on a boat is to get get in, have somebody drive me around, and let me sit in the front with a can of beer or a drink or something, and I'm having a good time. Exactly. So, anyway, well, that's really. Cool. I mean, I, I, I know it's uh, it's got. I, I I well, I I mean, I I, I hear see, however, whatever, some of the stories of you know sort of the daily shenanigans that happen, and you know, it's yeah. I worked in restaurants for a while as a as an hourly help. You know, and it, it sounds like you know, like, oh, yeah, I remember, you know, doing stuff like that or, you know, uh-huh. manufacturing plants. You know, you, uh-huh. you find people do, doing people things in weird places and you're like, yep. really? But anyway, um, but you seem to have like an extraordinary amount and you, you also <laughs> are a great storyteller. So um, one thing, serious question. I mean, so that we, and I saw Tim Sackett blog post today that said stop telling people you can't find talent you're like constantly trying to i mean because you have like i imagine high turnover uh yeah so like you're 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 and you're not you're not in the highest paying and even even in baton rouge and i don't mean that it's something like but baton rouge has a, a different economy and i would assume that yes. the casino and is not the highest paying business in the in the city so you're competing for like a lot yeah. of yeah. What, what's like? What, what's it like today? I mean, is it is it just impossible to find people, or do you still? It's, um, do you still... it's it's sometimes it seems like it's impossible when we when we sit with a you know certain type of position open for a while. Um, we we actually um, while it seems like we have high turnover, um, when I look at at related industries when i cause I'll right. benchmark against food and beverage you know type um positions or I'll, I'll benchmark you know kind of against um oh you know hospitals that hire um EBS or or facilities type workers um we actually have a property wide a fairly low turnover in comparison to the industry so while it it seems like we're constantly hiring and we are um it could be worse. Um, we have a ben- we have a benefit in that we have a lot of long term employees. I have a number of people that have been here um, fifteen, twenty, almost the twenty five years that the property's been open. So we have very good tenure um, from you know some pretty core groups of people. Um, where we where we struggle um, when I look at sort of the the different departments. Um, Quite frankly, where we struggle and we have the hardest time um, attracting and retaining people is on the food and beverage side, which anybody that works mm-hmm. in the restaurant industry, you know, can attest to. It's rough all over the country in the restaurant industry and has been for some some time. Um, that's probably our our biggest challenge, um, and and certainly some of those 
positions they are um you want uh, you want sort of transient workers. It's a really good job, for example, to be a beverage server when you're going through school. You know, you want that flexibility. You want that part-time, ooh, I, I can come in on a Friday and Saturday night and, you know, make a boatload of money in tips, and I'm that's fantastic when I'm going to school. But then they graduate, and they go off to be a nurse or teacher or whatever they're going to be. Um, so we get turnover in those positions. Um, we can hire some of those fairly Easily, you know, we have certain positions we're just constantly hiring for because we know people are going to leave. But then I get into some of the back-of-house food and beverage positions. That's where we're struggling. I would say that's kind of our biggest challenge right now. The cooks and the sous chefs and whatever, um, even stewards, you know, our our dishwashers, they have so many options um, because the restaurant explosion and, and, you know, where do they want to go um, sometimes depends on where their friends are working and, you know, mm-hmm. they're going to go join that, that kitchen crew. Um, so that's, that's kind of a challenge. I, you know, one of the things that we, we do constantly in HR, and I've been here two and a half years, and uh, I would say every, uh, every six months, if, if not more frequently, we sit down within HR just ourselves and kind of talk through, what's our messaging to candidates and do we need to switch that up a little bit? Um, I, mm-hmm. I wouldn't go so far as to say it's so much employer branding because I have neither the resources nor the budget to truly do employer branding like a lot of right. folks do. Um, so we work with what we have, but it's it's our messaging. You know, what what's a, is what was attracting applicants six months ago, the same thing that's attracting them now? Do we need to change our message? Do we need to reach out in different ways or go to different um, sources to try to find people? Um, so we're constantly looking at that. Um, we get very good applicant flow um, for a couple of reasons, I think, but um, some of it's the technology that we're using that's allowed us to do that. Um, word of mouth, um, employee referrals is our biggest biggest mm-hmm. source of hire. Um and you know, so we're kind of we're fortunate with that. The, the the folks that do come and work here, especially those employee referral, referrals, um, their biggest the biggest attraction that we have once people are here, I'd say once they're here about six months, um, it they sort of get into the um, the same mindset our existing people have, which is what keeps them here are the relationships that they build with each other and with our players. Yeah. Um, So like there are, you know, most of the positions you think are probably, you know, typical service or maintenance or whatever, but you you have like, I imagine you have like blackjack and other things. So so like dealers, like how do you, how do you go do something like that? Is there a school? Do you train them? How do you find like a specialized um, gambling industry stuff? You know there are there are some um, so the Gulf Coast of Mississippi, uh, Biloxi that that area if you've ever been down there, um, and that's fairly close to us hour and a half. Um, there are some um, some dealer schools pay pay to go to dealer schools in that market because there's about 15 casinos there. Well, we have three casinos mm-hmm. in Baton Rouge. This yeah. is not necessarily yeah. where people come to build their gaming career. Um, 
so what we tend to do, really all three properties in town, we kind of all do the same thing. Um, we hire experienced dealers, first and foremost. If somebody um, you know, is experienced, even and most dealers will start, everybody starts by dealing blackjack. Um, so if they're a skilled blackjack dealer, we can, you know, that's, that's who we hire. Um, if they deal more than that, we've hit the gold mine. Yes. You know, if they deal craps, they're like gold. Um, Mm -hmm. but there are only so many dealers, experienced dealers to go around. So we will do dealer schools, um, usually a couple of times a year. We we kind of take a look at it when we're ramping up for our busy seasons. We'll, you know, the table games department will decide, um, hey, let's do a dealer school. Uh, and we open that up then. And I run it, you know, it's like a job. Um, so we call it dealer trainee. Um, mm-hmm. And we go out and advertise that, hey, if you always wanted to be a dealer, this is, this is your opportunity, blah, 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 blah. Um, the difference is, and this is the plus, is, the student does not have to pay because we hire them. Right. We hire them as a dealer right. trainee, and we pay them to mm-hmm. go through school, usually six weeks, 20, 24 hours a week, um, and we teach them blackjack. And at the end of class, if they successfully pass the final audition um, and have met some other criteria, we work with them on getting a gaming license and all of that. Um, but once they they pass that final audition and they graduate class. Um, we move them then from the dealer trainee role, which is which pays minimum wage, but we move them mm-hmm. from that into a dealer role, and then they start working as a dealer. Hmm. What, um, I'll get off the gaming industry with one last question, just okay. out of curiosity. <laughs> what what's uh, what's uh, like what, what's career path? Like, you know, you come in, say you do that, I mean, you know, yeah. or you just come in as a waiter or a server or whatever you guys call yeah. What's career path into management primarily? Or is there, would somebody in a serving role become a dealer and would that be viewed as a, I guess I'm just kind of curious about the progression. You know, you we've, we've, we've certainly had um, people transfer, uh, usually every time we do a dealer school, um, we will have an employee or two from another department that wants to go through dealer school because they want to move into a dealer role. And and so mm-hmm. we've had people go from uh, security, food and beverage, um, player services, the, the cage cashier roles. They've gone through dealer school, passed that, and then they transfer departments. So we've certainly done that. So people, people will um, switch departments, you know, and that dealer school gives mm-hmm. people that opportunity as well. Um, you know, within it's very typical. Um, you know, in many ways, to any other sort of industry, I guess, um, in terms of career progression, you know, dealers will, for example, um, you know, if they want to go the route and work up to become a supervisor, a manager type of thing, you know, they'll they'll start as a dealer and then they may go into a. And this is very common. We do what we call a dual rate where we start to train them as a floor supervisor, they're still a dealer, but they may work a mm-hmm. shift or two a week as a floor supervisor. And so mm-hmm. they get paid two different rates, but they're starting to learn how to supervise the games, how to supervise um, the pit, you know, how to keep all. So it's kind of a nice way for people to grow their career because they can try it out without saying, I'm going to stop being a dealer and I want to be a full-fledged supervisor. 
we we kind of bridge them into that. Um, mm-hmm. And and they may do that dual rate for a while. Then they may go, may go to a, a full floor where they are just a supervisor. They're supervising the pit. They're supervising the games. And then the um, you know uh, casino shift managers we call them, where they're in charge of all gaming operations on on a given shift. Sure. You guys did a, a you guys, and I can't think of Jonathan's last name to save my life. You guys were trying to chatbot technology for your recruiting yeah, uh-huh, with Jonathan, Jonathan Duarte. Uh-huh. I, I'm like I can picture his face, but I can't remember his <laughs> last name. That's that old that's that old age syndrome creeping in. It's like my brain lost him. Are you guys Are you guys still doing that, or it was that an experiment? How How did, is it? It's, it was. Um, it was. I, it I did was, a show with Jonathan. It was at, yeah. At, at some point a while back. It's um it's sort of an experiment, but we haven't turned it off because um and 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 working I, I loved it because part of it was, um, the process of working with him and and um, his partner at the company to kind of create the bot in the first place was really mm-hmm. cool, um you know the script and all of that and thinking thinking through it and um. I, we've used the chatbot for certain positions. Another kind of high volume hiring position that that we do is security, um, our security officers. And so I was using the chatbot primarily for um, security roles, and it it was fabulous in that it um, cut down on phone calls. Uh, we get a lot of we get a lot of phone calls from from applicants and walk-ins. <laughs> uh, right. I have a very small HR staff, and so it was, you know, kind of taking time away to answer these calls and and whatnot. Um, so we put the chatbot into a drive activity. It was text, um, text-based. Got them in. Allowed me to gather names, phone numbers, email addresses. Um, and pull those off the dashboard, obvi- the ultimate call to action was getting them to go through and complete an application. If they answered the questions, met the criteria, the job sounded like something. Um, I, but moving it to text and getting that first initial contact with people, um, we had like, I mean, it, it was an explosion, the first one we put out with the volume of response that we had. Um, and it in my mind, part of what I was, what I accomplished with that, and what we were trying to do, was to give people, give these applicants a, a somewhat human interaction. I, I, I still think some of them didn't quite realize they were dealing with a bot. I think they thought it was a person. Mm-hmm. Um, but to give them the sense of talking to somebody when they wanted to. So it could be three in the morning, and they're dealing with this bot. Um, talking about what shift they wanted to work and, you know, if they were, yes, they're over 21 and whatever the the, the questions were. Um, so it allowed us to gather information from people, gave them a, a, an experience early on, and then we could follow up with them and say, hey, you know, saw you were interested in this. Next step is, you know, please complete the application. Here's the link, you know, let's talk. Um, so it cut down it cut down some time for us. And I think it enhanced the the human experience that people were having, even though it was all tech driven. Yeah, yeah. And you you've you you've been interested. In, why is this? This is. 
Yeah, two minutes left. My, uh, my uh, studio dashboard was telling me the show didn't start for oh. another 24 hours <laughs> yeah, and 35 minutes. So, yeah, uh, <laughs> I was like, I was, wanted to make sure we weren't about to get shut off. So, so, you, so you were in HR for a long time doing trench HR, just like you are now. Different sorts of businesses. Yeah. You went into consulting for a bit. Uh, I think, I think during that time that I've known you, you've always been interested in technology and and how yes. it, and. I, I and I and I, one of the things I think you do in the role now. I mean, I haven't visited you, but the impression I get from things like the chatbot, and you mentioned other technology that you're using. I think that's one of the things you've done to try to hack a relatively low resource. I mean, you're not working for a giant conglomeration that, that right. has billions of dollars to put into tech uh, HR recruiting. So I think you've you've kind of specialized a little bit in in using technology to hack. HR at the at the trench level. Can you talk about that a little bit? Like some of the things you've done, or yeah, 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 absolutely, <laughs> spot on, exactly. And you know, part of it is um, um, that's kind of the fun part of it. Even though I get frustrated because I'm like, oh, I would love to have money to buy this cool shiny tool, um, right? But that's not reality, and that's not the reality for a lot of people. So it is kind of fun to puzzle through how can we make this work. Um, uh, or how can we replicate maybe what some vendor would sell us because I can't get this vendor. Um, so, yeah, the chatbot, um, you know, and bless Jonathan because he, he you know, uh, because I was kind of helping him beta test some things and whatever, um, I was able to work with him at a, you know, a very, uh, very, very, very low yeah, cost. Yeah. Um, uh, I have been able to... Um, work with um with a, a a CRM basically a recruitment marketing platform I'm I'm going to give him a shout out cuz I I love the product um Clinch um and using that has helped us um again with some of the messaging um so I was thrilled when when they let me kind of dive in and start working with that because it allowed me to again I don't have a lot of resources um, we were able to customize our career page um, and change it up. And so I can go in as a user, as the HR lady, and very easily go in and change the messaging to our candidates. I can go in and um, uh, do things with that platform that my ATS does not do, uh, unfortunately. So I can use use the clinch platform to go in and pull out and kind of create these talent pools and message people and respond to them. Um, now that takes time. So a lot of that is not, all of that's not necessarily automated. I have some automated pieces in there, but it's, it's been fun to find ways to make that work. Um, my HR staff, um, like I said, is very small um, we don't have, I don't have a dedicated recruiter, even though we're hiring 200 people a year. Um, I don't have a dedicated recruiter. We all kind of touch it in HR. And so we needed to be able to work, work smart, work fast, um, communicate with, with these applicants in this case, um, and in some way make them think we're bigger than we are. <laughs> and that we, you know, mm-hmm. we needed to be responsive. And so I'm always looking at, tech tools that allow us to be responsive to our applicants, but also to our employees. I used a text platform um, for open enrollment last year to to communicate with employees, um, which helped immensely. Um, And 
and again, this is a presumption on my part, although I at least partially know it's true just from hanging around. But I think a yeah. lot of the, like you mentioned Clinch, and you you know you met Jonathan in the chat bot. I mean, I met Jonathan yeah. at Sherm Talent when I took an Uber with him, and he started telling me about his Uber driving experience. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I was like, who is this guy? But anyway, um, and then of course I know you've done some stuff in the past with Bill Borman, who's tied to Clinch. I think a lot of the stuff that you're yeah. you know, from a tool perspective are, are are you've found and identified through the relationships that you built through social yes. media and networking over the years. Is that is that a correct yeah. assumption? Yes, and I, that's I, I think that one hundred percent. Go ahead. I, I think, and I think, and we've talked about this like on the Sherm shows. I've talked, you know, because there's like a new generation of of bloggers and podcasters out yes. there now that are really active. They make me feel old. I'm like, I can't do all this giveaway stuff. I've got real work to do. You know, <laughs> they're like, oh, join us on Sunday night and answer these five questions, and we'll give you a magazine. Uh, and and I'm, <laughs> I don't mean it to be mocking. I mean, I'm like, I remember when I was that person, and I'm not that person anymore. But I yeah. also did a show a couple months back with Ben Eubanks, who when when I met him was five. Um, and he I know, reminded uh-huh. me that I, I, I that I that I've known him for ten years, and you know HR Evolution's coming up again, and it's yep, you know yep. it's like, I, anyway, um, it's just amazing to me that that uh, it continues to amaze me that that um, what we did it you know it wasn't really play, but Twitter and social media has turned into you know valuable mm-hmm. tools, and you know continue to continue to do, you know and and it shows out in your work at times, you know, I, I mean, I do the same thing. I find keynote speakers by reaching out on Facebook and you find, yep. you know, ways to boost, boost your talent efforts by reaching into your personal network and, you know, may, maybe working a deal, you know, to help, to help them and help yourself. And I think that's really, I, I'm, yeah. I'm commenting rather than asking questions, but anyway. Um, so we <laughs> I'm like, sitting here nodding my head as you're talking though. Yeah, because you, you, you agree. So, so, so what's your thought? We have literally four minutes left, so we haven't even done any fun stuff. Let's talk about not at Sherm. You're not going to be at Sherm. There's a hashtag oh, for those people that listen, not at Sherm yep. 18, I think is what it is. And some people are are making uh, specialized efforts from the conference to, to share stuff. What are you going to do follow, following along? How are you going to participate? Yeah, I am. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm sad, and I'm going to totally have like totally have fear of missing out um, while it's going on. Um, I will certainly, you know, follow along on the hashtag as much as I can. Although it is a hot mess on that hashtag already, and the conference yeah. hasn't even started yet. There's so much traffic; it's it's kind of hard to to watch it. Um, but you know, I I will throughout the days, you know, glance in and and see what I can follow along with. Um, you know, I think. Um, one of the biggest things that I'm going to miss, and I'm sure, you know, I know everybody that's talked to you is, you know, what do they look forward to at Sherm? It's, it's seeing people, it's building, it's building upon relationships. It's connecting with people. It's, it's kind of personalizing the experience. I'm going to certainly miss that. Um, I'm going to miss, I always, um, I'm kind of the antithesis of, I think a lot of national attendees. I like the keynotes as massive as they are. Um, Mm -hmm. I tend to like those more than the breakout sessions because those breakout sessions are are massive as well. And um, I just, um, I I can't sit for 75 minutes anymore. I I don't know. Um, So I'm going to miss the keynotes um, because I just like that sort of huge feel of a a crowd of 16,000 people sitting there. Um, I miss, I'm going to miss the vendor, the expo hall. I, 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 I love being mm-hmm. expo hall um, because you can kind of get a sense of what, what people are working on. And I think that's the, 
you know, I go to Unleash and HR Tech, and, and those the audiences are different. The Expo Halls reflects that. Um, mm-hmm. The Sherm audience is these are you know those are day-to-day hr practitioners and the expo hall also reflects that now there's some crazy stuff in the expo hall sometimes but i find it fascinating to walk through and see who's here all these like compliance vendors and uh, you know the the tchotchke booths and all of that that's the stuff that that hr people are looking at um I love Sherm, you know, over the last couple of years, they've kind of created this little mini conference within the conference for the HR department of one. Right. I, I love that. There's a lot of people that are out there that need that. And, and, and I think when I follow along on the hashtag, I'm going to focus in on that because I think there's a, there's a real wealth of information that comes out kind of from that little micro group. Uh, agreed. I, I'm sorry, I, I'm needing, I was responding to an email, and we got less than a minute left. So, in fact, exactly a minute. So, Robin, I didn't get to do anything really funny, uh, but thanks for the great conversation about, you know, about the profession and HR. Where, where do people find you these days on Twitter and, and not, you know, if they want to meet up at not at Sherm or whatever, how do they find you? Yeah. Um, I'm just, uh, you know, I'm Googleable. Um, I was told that yesterday because I had an employee that I worked with six years ago who Googled me to find me. I thought that was fabulous um so just robinschooling.com is my blog um twitter at robinschooling find me on linkedin uh google me reach out um or i'll be chiming in on the twitters for sure okay well i will i will say hi from chicago and i certainly miss seeing you there and i look forward to the next time we can get together and share a cocktail otherwise yep thanks for being on drive through and i'll talk to you soon okay take care Thanks, Mike. Bye, Robin. Bye.